You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Romil. It was a 6 o'clock tip-off on a cool Sunday evening when the Miami Heat hosted the Portland Trailblazers. After a blowout loss to the Magic on Friday, the Heat would be tested by yet another team with a losing record, and they'd have to do it without their best player, Jimmy Butler. I was at the arena covering the game when Eric Spolster gave his pregame press conference and told us that Jimmy's back had tightened up earlier in the day and that he was getting treatment at that exact moment to see if he could play. But Butler wound up sitting out the game, as did Justice Winslow, who missed his 15th straight game. But the real story of the night was the return of Hassan Whiteside. Sitting in the visitor locking room for the first time in his career, he spoke about how weird it was that he was playing there again, having to come in through a different door, and all the little things that we kind of take for granted uh, as players and as media and watching him. And, you know, he was... He was coming in in a different scenario. He wasn't being appreciated the way he had been in the past. And obviously there was some tension on his exit from Miami. He was traded. And it was kind of interesting to see how he would be welcomed back after five seasons in Miami. Some good nights, some not so good ones. I was curious about whether or not the Heat faithful at America Airlines Arena would welcome him back. They did not. During pregame introductions, Hassan was booed loudly. There were some cheers, but mostly, I'd say about 80% were boos. And every time he touched the ball, when he would shoot free throws, you would hear cheers of, we got shooters, raining down from the stands. Whiteside had a big night, 21 points, 18 rebounds, and of course, zero assists. But not surprisingly, he also left Miami with an 11-point loss, as Miami improved their record at home to 17-1 and 26-10 overall. Still third in the Eastern Conference. The game was pretty lopsided, uh, with Miami in control the whole night, never once relinquishing the need. Of the, sorry, the lead. They were up big late in the game, and then Dame Lillard uh, did, you know, did what he does best, hitting shots from 30 feet out, and Dame time cut uh, into the lead significantly. Uh, I think almost into yeah, they were in single digits there in the fourth quarter, and then Miami just hung in there. They played defense a little bit tighter. Uh, they got some big shots from Goran Dragic, who left, uh, led Miami with 29 points, as well as Derek Jones Jr., who was starting in place of Jimmy Butler, and he added 19 points of his own. But the biggest surprise, aside from Whiteside's return, was the return of James Johnson after playing in just six games. After being suspended and in Coach Eric Spolster's doghouse for most of the season, Johnson came in. He was actually the first reserve off the bench alongside with uh, Dragic, and he played 22 minutes, uh, scoring 12 points on four or five shooting, along with six rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. I'll talk about him more in the second segment, uh, but it was a solid game, just a really good game from Johnson, who hadn't played since November 27th. Uh, Myers Leonard also had a good game against his former team, 11 points, nine rebounds, three assists, and 23 minutes. I talked to him about what it was like playing against his former team, uh, the team he spent se- the previous seven seasons with, and here's what he had to say. It was awesome. It was a fun game for me. Obviously, the most important thing is that we won. Um, Secondly, I I like that I played well. And, uh, you know, it's, um, 
I don't know. I was. I wondered what it was going to feel like, and it was. It was just a fun game for me. It was competitive. You know, being being on the other side of a, a Dame Lillard run is not exactly ideal, but I've seen it obviously for seven straight years. So, uh, but other than that, it's just most important that we won. We we locked in and, and we did what we needed to do. So a good night for Leonard, a good win for Miami with a Butler, and uh, I will say that. I'm a little surprised at how much Hassan was booed. I mentioned this during the game, but I almost felt a little bad for him, to be honest with you. If you've listened to the show at any point over the last couple of years, uh, you know me and my former co-host were very critical of Hassan Whiteside, a lack of effort. Uh, There might have been injury issues that took away from his efficiency, his impact, and everything else. The player that he was over the first couple of seasons in Miami when he was getting paid just a million dollars a year, and I say just... Uh, but it's all relative according to the NBA. He was he was great. Um, you know, I, I, he did things that we hadn't seen in Miami ever. If anything, maybe during the Alonzo Mourning era when he would get triple doubles with blocks and rebounds and things of that sort. And he was having significant impact. He was leading the league in those categories. Something that Portland's coach Terry Stotts mentioned uh, in his pregame presser. And uh, he still puts up good statistics. You know, he's having a big year for Portland on some occasions. But he's he's too... He lacks the ability to adapt to today's game. And he just seems like he, he just he's out of position sometimes. He chases things. He chases stats. And he just can't seem to figure it out. Uh, he mentioned in a pregame press conference... Well, not pregame press conference. At his locker room, he mentioned that his production in Portland has been really good. But he, he claimed that in Miami... It was just as good. He just wasn't playing much. If you look at his per 36 production, it's brought the same. He, he said something to that effect. And, and that's just that's just who Hassan is. He kind of, he looks at the statistics a little too much. But either way, these are the kinds of things that most fans really didn't know about. I don't think anybody was critical of him when he was, you know, giving a shit about his 2K rating and things of that sort. In fact, I think a lot of people laughed it off and said that was just a, a hilarious quote. But... Uh, he he seemed so genuinely grateful for his time here, and yet he was booed so completely, and I, it really took me by surprise. And, you know, the same fans that used to love his flexing and his shot blocking and his stupid postgame quotes, it was just weird and a reminder about how fickle fandom can be. But, uh, you know, that's that's just how I, I, I kind of took it. Um, you know, I, I don't want to harp on Whiteside's return too much because it was a little interesting to see how the, the fans turned on him, but they did the same thing with Josh a couple weeks ago, and, and, and you're all fans. I mean, you're listening to this because you love this team, and I'm curious as to what the reasoning is, why you boo a former player like that. Is it just the comments of, we got shooters? Is it, you know, two years of him being kind of lazy or injured or a combination of both? Um, you know, I, I, I think every time I would say something negative about Hassan over the last couple of years, it seems like there were just as many supporters as there were detractors, so... I was a little surprised again. So it was a, an interesting night, but again, a big night for Miami. They got to win. Uh, C.J. McCollum was out for Portland, um, but Dame Lillard had a very big night, as he is wont to do. And Miami got some key contributions from a number of players. But let's move on, and I'll answer the question whether or not James Johnson is back in the rotation. I'll talk about his impact in tonight's game and what his future might be. You're listening to Locked on Heat. get into the player and stat of the game in the next segment. But I wanted to talk about the full James Johnson experience because that was certainly on display tonight versus Portland. He came into the game, immediately hit a corner three. I think everybody was kind of in shock that he was 
uh, at the scorer's table. And then almost immediately upon arriving at the scorer's table, Eric Spolster called a timeout, eventually put in James and Goron into the lineup, and Johnson had an immediate impact, hitting that corner three. And then just minutes later, he was driving to the rim, and he bobbled the ball for his only turnover. Uh, then he swung up behind the back on his next possession to Myers Leonard, who managed to catch it. Uh, but he still finished with a plus 10 rating, even higher than Goran Dragic, who finished with a plus 9 minus rating. He also played his usual versatile defense. Eric Spolster talked about that, uh, and he looked pretty good, I think, in general. And here's what Spo said about J.J. after the game, because he was pretty appreciative of James's impact and, and the fact that he has stayed ready, and, and here's what he had to say. In many ways, uh, J.J. was the proverbial game ball winner uh, tonight. Uh, he, he's put in a lot of time. Look, he's been ready probably for two or three weeks in my mind where I felt comfortable to be able to put him in. He's been, he's played well in practice. Uh, we had played well, our rotation was uh, fairly established. I didn't see a need to force anything. Uh, and as things happen in this league, if you just stay ready, stay with it, wait for your moment and you're prepared for it, then you give your, yourself the best chance to be able to play well. And he's done that. Uh, and we needed it tonight. You know, every bit of, of those minutes, you, you, sh- you see his versatility. Uh, defensively, we had him on Carmelo. We had him on uh, their centers. We, uh, we had him on Lillard there uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, but he, he's light. He's fit. Uh, he's he's moving great. So some interesting nuggets there. Uh, one that JJ clearly has been available, and that Spro just didn't need to get him on the floor or didn't want to get him on the floor, whatever his reasoning might be. He also spoke of Johnson's practice habits. Uh, improving and that committing to that work so consistently is why he's getting the opportunity that he did. I, I should also know that Kelly Olenek did not play a single minute in tonight's game. And Smo mentioned that. He was asked about it in his postgame presser. And he said, look, he didn't have an opportunity to uh, get Kelly into the game because the Blazers were using four guards a lot. And so Olenek would have been abused defensively. Um, those are my words, not uh, Eric Spolstra's. But either way, uh, it's no secret that Olenek's been struggling lately, so I'm not sure I entirely buy what Spo is selling. Uh, I think he probably could have put him in there if he felt comfortable that Kelly could hold his own, but uh, whether there were four guards or not, um, Kelly's been struggling a lot lately, and I think he's just... I don't think he's quite in a doghouse situation, but he just he, he can't get in a rhythm. And, you know, that's something I've mentioned before. I, I sat down... For a few minutes with Kelly uh, during media day, and he talked about how difficult last season was because he couldn't get into a rhythm. And I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating that I, I think he's just in an uncomfortable place right now where he cannot seem to get any kind of comfort zone. He cannot seem to establish his footing, and he doesn't know what's going to happen from one game to the next. I mean, he played minutes, a few minutes the game before. Uh, then he just isn't playable at all in the, in the next game. And he's not hurt, uh, but he's just he's not making an impact, enough of an impact to Eric Spolster's, uh, you know, understanding. And so he's not going to get any kind of playing time. But anyway, this is about James. And, uh, you know, as far as Johnson's concerned, I had a chance to talk to him too. And here's that interview from after the game. Feel good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about you being in great shape. I feel great. You're better in shape now than you did at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's all part of the grind. And, 
and you know, to have a to have a head coach is is stubborn and smart and a genius like Spo. Um, you never know you never know if, um, what he's thinking or what he's expecting, but he always tries to give you the why. And you know, I smiled and grind, and uh, when my number was called, I was ready. So kind of understanding his why. Did he give you the heads up before the game that you might um, get some No, we went through our normal things, man. Get some reps, uh, regular shoot around, got some reps in, did my normal routine. Um, you know, when I seen Jimmy was out, kind of give me like, ah, I got to kind of hold him down if he's out, but I'm not sure. Our team is great, man, so they don't need me, honestly. They're, they're, they've been balling, so, you know, I wasn't sure. And then my number's called. I'm ready. So, is this the longest stretch? Is the longest stretch of your career without playing consistently? No, no, you had hell no. When you started, I I've been in this league for 11 years. I don't went through it all. I didn't play away 40 games before my first time playing. So you know, at least we're we're a great team. I love these guys, and, and we we're winning. So sitting down don't even seem like sitting down. I be up cheering so much, you know. <laughs> so again, some interesting things there. Johnston kind of throws a little jab at Spo. Um, I don't want to imply that there's any tension there, uh, but he does also mention smiling and grinding. That's a quote that he threw in there, and that was interesting because it seems like he understands that he has to be a good soldier in order to keep getting any playing time. But he also talked about loving this team. That's something he, you know, he's been very demonstrative as a cheerleader something that he acknowledged too that it's made the passing the time much easier because he gets to cheer on for guys that he seems to genuinely care about and uh, he's been very supportive a very good teammate uh, he's very good in the locker room after games when he doesn't play and he hasn't played obviously since november he's cracking jokes he's singing he's doing things and well let me tell you james johnson fashion uh, i i got a glimpse of it today i know he's been uh you know, kind of ridiculed lately for wearing the equivalent of like a piece of aluminum foil, uh, an aluminum foil poncho a, a couple games ago. But he he was he was wearing something today. I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. A uh, a purple like, cowboy hat, but uh, not quite fedora. But it's just definitely a wider brim, and then some boots that I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Anyway. James is a personality, and he's still a, a big part of that locker room, for better or for worse. And, and, and I think it's for better because, again, the, the team does seem to get along very, very well. But as for his future, um, I actually think that tonight against Portland was the icebreaker, so to speak. And, and we'll start to see more J.J. minutes, especially with Winslow still out of action and with Kelly Olenek struggling. Uh, moreover, I think he can totally contribute, as we saw tonight. I've maintained now all along that Johnson is a contributor, and we saw what he can do, even if it's against a struggling team like Portland. Now, I don't think we'll see 22 minutes a game, but I could see him going for 10 or 15 or so, uh, if for no other reason, because uh, you don't want to risk Jimmy Butler's health any more than you have to. You're going to need Jimmy in key possessions during the playoffs, and that's the ultimate goal here. So why risk his health why aggravate his back uh, you know he, he seems to be taking a number of falls lately a couple games ago he, he kind of fell down awkwardly and kind of was reaching for his hip groin area and you don't want to you don't want to risk injury to your star player making almost 40 million dollars a year as he's constantly i mean he throughout his career he's played so many minutes give him a break why not and not necessarily load management. I know this team will never do this. This coaching staff will never do that. 
but by the same token, you know what? I'll take that back. They did do that with Dwayne, didn't they? So the maintenance program, if you recall that from 2013-14. I I don't know if they're going to do that with Jimmy. I expect that they won't anytime soon. I just I don't think he needs it, but I think he can get a break every once in a while. Look, he didn't he didn't play tonight. He probably could have gone. Knowing Jimmy, uh, I mean, CJ McCollum told me after before the game, McCollum was getting dressed in, in you know uh, street clothes, and he wasn't going to be playing. I don't think it was South Beach flu. I think he was actually genuinely sick. And either way, he's like you know if I know Jimmy, he's going to be out there. And, and sure enough, Jimmy did not play. So I, I was a little surprised that he he did not play. But it was probably good for him. He's probably going to be rejuvenated when Miami uh, faces their next challenge on Wednesday night, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got a couple of days off, and, and it's good for the team. And it's good for for Jimmy to get a break. And, and James can play. I think that's the most important thing. He can defend. He can pass. He can make plays for teammates. He makes something happen. I'll never forget uh, Zach Lowe's description of him from a few years ago. It's just Johnson is, oh, oh you know, oh, He's constantly moving. He's constantly doing things. And sometimes they can get a little away from him, even tonight. You know, he made that pass to Myers Leonard, who surprisingly caught it. Uh, he also bobbled the ball as he was driving to the rim. Luckily, it only wound up being a one turnover night for James in 22 minutes. But uh, either way, he, he stretches the floor tonight. He, he was pretty good. Two of two from three-point range. That's I don't expect that to be the case. I, I would be very, very surprised if we see more nights like that. But he has that ability Hopefully he continues to be in the right situation there. I, I also mentioned before the game, uh, and it wound up proving to be true, that uh, Deion Waiters would not play. A lot of people expected that to be the case, and I did not. I, I just I think it's just gone to the point now where uh, Dion has to, I guess, play the game a little differently in order to ingratiate himself to Eric Spolster and the coaching staff, and I just don't know that Dion's capable or willing at this point. So... We'll see what Dion's future is, but it's not as positive as James uh, because he's going to be probably getting more minutes in the future. But we'll see how that goes. The player and the stat of the game are next. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. The stat of the game, 49%. That's the ratio of three-point attempts to overall field goal attempts. Miami took 90 shots in the night against Portland, and 44 of those were from three-point range. The Heat connected on almost 41% of those, but most of those came from Goran Dragic. He finished 7 of 10 from three-point range, 70% on his own, and he was making up for a number of players who shot very poorly. Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Derek Jones Jr., and a few others, uh, but you know, Goran's 70% shooting from three-point range. Again, uh, well, let's segue automatically into that because he is, without a doubt, the player of the game. And I kind of wanted to use tonight's performance as uh, a launching pad to talk about Goran's sixth man of the year candidacy because I think he was a strong candidate earlier in the year when we started to see that kind of incredible impact. And, and look, I, I don't know that you'll ever get a coach talking about a player as as <laughs> as genuinely and as you know uh, positively as Eric Spolster talks about Goran Dragic, and he mentioned it tonight too that yeah, Goran. And maybe this was a dig at Dion or a James, but 
he mentions how Goran has embraced coming off the bench. That Goran would want to start if he got his opportunity, but that he's accepting of his role and he finds a way to come in and produce and contribute. And and I think he can do that at such a high level. Um, you know, we've been seeing it for most of the season. He comes in, he has really good minutes, his shooting has been excellent, but at the same time, I just when you look at other candidates for the sixth man of the year, where sure there's Lou Williams and others, uh, even Montrezl Harris, you know, either way, uh, there are a number of, of options with the Clippers and others around the league. I, I think if you follow a different team, any one of the 29 other teams, you could probably make a case for Terrence Ross in Orlando or any you know number of players. Um, but I think we're starting to see more and more buzz go towards a player from the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that's Dennis Schroeder. I looked at his numbers. Um, you know, he's playing more minutes than Goran is. He's also played in more games than Goran has, and I think that's probably a bigger concern as far as whether or not Goran can win the Sixth Man of the Year award. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has played in 34 games. Goran's only played in 25 so far. At uh, 26, I'm sorry, including tonight's game. But you know, he's averaging less points per game. He's actually averaging more assists per game because Schroeder is not a natural playmaker at the point guard position. But Schroeder is doing, you know, he's getting to the rim. He's shooting pretty well. Um, he's an active rebounder. He's a good bo- you know, a good athletic wing player. Um, and he can do a number of things positively there. And he's contributed to Oklahoma City's surprising success. I mean, I've been kind of bullish on, on Oklahoma City from well, all offseason long. But uh, they've actually started winning a number of games lately. They're in the playoff race, surprisingly to a lot of people. And Schroeder is a big part of that. He is contributing off the bench, and, and he's playing some good minutes there. So, um, you know, I, I would say at this point, Goran is not likely to win the Sixth Man of the Year award. He's an all-star already, so we'll see how that goes. I think he has the respect of coaches around the league. Um, but I just don't know that he's making enough of a case. He's not putting up such gaudy numbers. He, he'd have to have a couple... 30-point games, and that's that's something he never even did as a starter, so I can't imagine a point in time where he's going to do that coming off the bench. Uh, this is the unfortunate part of the show where we pick a, or I pick, a scapegoat of the game, uh, the player of the game that struggled the most, and that is Duncan Robinson. He has been struggling a lot lately, and against the Blazers, he went just 2 of 11 uh, from the forward. All 11 of the shot attempts coming from three-point range, that shot is just not falling. And it was not Portland's defense. Portland's defense was pretty porous. And nobody was on Kent Bazemore, who I think was guarding Duncan most of the night, uh, was not able to stick with Dun- Duncan as he was coming off of uh, you know, screens and, and finding that kind of space as he has. It's just Robinson at one point took a shot. Uh, the rebound fell to Bam, I want to say, who moved it and swung it around the perimeter and got it back to Duncan, who took another shot almost immediately. So within 20 seconds, he missed both three-pointers. And it's just that's indicative of kind of where he's at right now. I think with a player like Robinson, he'll get out of these funks at some point. He just needs the next couple of days. He'll probably come in, even though the Heat does not practice tomorrow. I think um, you know he'll probably come in, do a little bit of work, and get that kind of shot feeling a little bit better, a little bit more smooth and... Uh, eventually he'll he'll snap out of this. You know, that's what shooters do, and Duncan Robinson is absolutely a very, very good shooter, so I would expect him to snap out of that funk sometime soon. But that's it for tonight. I'll be putting up a couple shows over the next couple of days while the heat is off. Uh, Miami is not active again until Wednesday when they travel, travel excuse me, to Indiana 
to face the uh, conference rival Pacers. Again, if you recall that last game, uh, Indiana was without Malcolm Brogdon and still held Miami to a very tightly contested game here at home. Uh, Miami was able to win by one point. So that will be a much more interesting challenge there. Good for Jimmy. Hopefully he'll be rested and able to perform on a high level because he's going to be needed. But that's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you as always for your support. Yeah! Wrap it up, dude.